iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Ladies and gentlemen, we're about to get started. Uh, welcome to the Apple Store Soho. We're really pleased you can join us this evening. Um, I'd like to let you know here at the store we hold many special events. So if this is your first time joining us, uh, visit our website at apple.com slash soho and you'll find a complete calendar of all the free workshops that we do here at the store that you're encouraged to uh, stop by and sit in on one or attend one of the many special events that we hold, like tonight's Meet the Filmmaker events, in addition to live music performances and other talks with creative professionals. Uh, so tonight, uh, we bring you Meet the Filmmaker. Meet the Filmmaker is a series of events that brings you up close and personal with some of today's top filmmakers, actors, producers, directors, etc., cetera, uh, right here at our store. And uh, you can learn more about Meet the Filmmaker and actually download previous events from the iTunes store. It's available as a podcast. Just search for Meet the Filmmaker, and you can subscribe to this free podcast series. As new events are published, you can download them right to your computer and take them with you. Uh, so tonight, we're really excited to have uh, the Hughes brothers, Alan and Albert Hughes, joining us to talk about uh, their new film, The Book of Eli, which comes out this Friday. Uh, without revealing too much about the film, I'm just going to say it stars Denzel Washington. What more do you need to know? Yeah, make some noise. <laughs> Moderating tonight's uh, event uh, is guest film critic Elvis Mitchell. At this time, please give a warm welcome to Alan and Albert Hughes and our guest moderator, Elvis Mitchell. Hello. <laughs> well, go no, go ahead. Do your De Niro from uh, analyze this. That's okay. It's just funny that you know. Basically, we're starting a new decade with a, a new Hughes Brothers film. Did you guys plan it that way? You know, 2010. We didn't plan it that way, but I know that town was tough, and they they certainly shut us down for about eight years, and we went through the drought. <laughs> <laughs> it was a shutdown. No, it was like part. Yeah, I, 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 that's the first time you've said that. I, no, was it's like, personal too. It's personal. No, it was a personal thing, and it was you know our taste doesn't didn't line up with the studio system, and now everything's like tentpole movies, and it's hard to squeeze through like a mid-level movie or a small movie. You can squeeze through a small movie, but I mean we're kind of in that in-between stage, you know. But was part of it the reaction to From Hell too, which you know you would tell me before you had things forced on you, and then sort of you you were still trying to make your movie, but you had compromises you had to make was. Was it just a reaction to that as well? I think it's a reaction to being, we made that movie when we were 28 years old, and no matter what, when you're in your 20s, you're, you're still, you, you know, you're young, and you're growing, and you're learning, and, you're, and, and you're, you're, you're young. And that was our last film, and we had to go through, our, that film came out a few weeks after 9-11, and it, everything changed, as everybody knows. Like, we just experienced what I call the W years, because we couldn't name them. It wasn't like the 80s or the 90s or the 20s, and finally, I'm like, it was the W years. It was Bush, and it was war. And then once 2010 came around, it was like, you could feel. It just, it just felt like a new era, you know. Barack, obviously, get, being voted in. But for us, we had been working on this for two, two and a half years. And there was, a, there was a certain maturation that had happened in between the films as human beings. We live in life. And, and you were living separately. Living separately, you know, and, and, and separated for a while. Uh, mindfully separated, you know, and... And then when we came back together and we knew we wanted to do this movie, read this movie, 
it's like a boxing match when you're fighting the champ. You have to, you have to take it from him. You can't just beat the champ up. You have to take it from him to win the fight. And so when we went to the studio, we put together a presentation, and we knew. No, yeah, basically it was like a, uh, he, I told him I was going to go to Prague after I had some reservations at first about doing the script. And then I woke up the next day, and I got it. Um, and I found my way in through a, a Trent Reznor song, ironically enough. And I, a year, uh, Zero Sum from the year Zero CD. Right. And I, cause I, he called me up and he said, read the script. I read it. And then I called him back. I go, I don't know, man. It's cool. I don't know. He goes, what, what do you mean you don't know? I go, I don't know about this religious, spiritual stuff in here. He goes, well, just sleep on it and call me back. So I slept on it and called him back. I go, I get it because I had a dream. And the dream was just that song playing with these images and like how to handle the, the material, basically, how to tone down certain things. And I said, well, let me go to Prague and, and write this document on our take. So I'm like by page 13 or 14, which is the most I've written since high school, you know. I, I haven't written anything over a page or two since high school. Uh, what do you I, mean? What do you mean? You know, like I, I haven't written that many pages. Oh, written. Written, written that many pages yeah. of anything, you know. Like you, so I call myself, I'm on page 14. I'm, it, it's, you know, it's getting there. And he's like, well, you should make it into a, one of those books we do. You know, because in the commercial world, you, you have to sell yourself no matter who the director is with a visual book and your take on the commercial in the corporate world. So we learned that. And we said, okay, we're, we're advertising. Yeah. We're advertising. So Apple has this great thing where you can print up a book, you know. And I, I had Photoshop, so I did all. The, I took the Word document, put the words with the images I found online and comic books and all this stuff, and it turned out to be like a 50-page book. And I flew back, and then we went into the meeting with Warner Brothers and Joel Silver, and the books were being FedExed and the, that that day, but I was already in the meeting, and books weren't ready. So I'd have my uh, kid's mother drive it out as we were in a meeting. I'm doing a PowerPoint presentation, basically, you know. Off the Mac. Uh, <laughs> yeah, off the Mac. And then uh, she gets on the lot, gives me the books, and then we drop it off on them. And we said, okay, it's your decision. And, and within the hour, we got, we got the, the project. Well, and what was amazing, though, was that what was shocking to me about the book that he had put together, how much does one book cost? That $50. It cost $50. When Alan Horn, the CEO of Warner Brothers, saw the book, and I remember Jimmy Iving, too, we did a similar book. They go, where did where, where, where did you guys do this? I mean, these are these are like the top top guys. Going, how'd you make this book? How how did you do this? And it was just as simple as going on your Macintosh. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was that that's what got us the job. It was all in literary form and visual. It was well, all laid out in one. And one also, like you can't, you can't replace if you're really into something, you know, like a passion for passion. something. And you know, it, it, no, it looks like a really obsessive graphic novel by a serial killer. This presentation <laughs> book does. <laughs> I've we, heard that before. <laughs> but what we, what we compared it to is like, you know, when you start a movie out, you're on the, you're not even on the one yard line. You're at zero, you know, and you got to fight all these elements just to get to the fifty, and then you get into the territory of the positive, red zone, the red zone, basically, which is positive, basically, right? If you do a book or put your thoughts on paper and it's good, it gets you about to the 30-yard line because you answer all the questions, you know, all the stuff they already have questions, then you, you start dealing with other miscellaneous stuff that you don't know. Plus, the, the, the biggest thing in, in, in Hollywood is every, everyone knows this. They're scared of everything. They, 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 they have to push a button, but they're scared to push a button, and the unknown is what scares them the most. They don't know what it is you have in your head, and the more you can illustrate what's in your head through words, and through images and through textures, because a lot of the book was just textures, even the way rust looks, you know, or discolorations or skies and whatever. Some of it wasn't sh baby dolls that from uh, Hiroshima, you know. Um, or what's 
uh, Chernobyl. Chernobyl. Yeah. Uh, a lot of shots of that. So the, I, I realized when we went to that, to that meeting with Warner Brothers for the Book of Eli, I don't think we've ever been cold, but we were as close to cold as you can be in this business. Is that business. really you... We felt we, that way. We I think, would, yeah. I think. Do you have to do that to yourself to psych yourself up for the job to some extent too? No, we no. we we were we were below lukewarm, <laughs> and, and I think there's also our perception, what the real perception is, and then there's the street perception. Okay. The street yeah. perception can keep us going, which is like fans coming up or people coming up, like when are you gonna do another movie and that movie we liked and this movie we like. Then there's an the industry perception, which sometimes we skew towards worse than it really is, you know, because if we really want to work, we can work, but we can work doing shit. Yeah. So, I, I, we keep saying that we, we're not going to just do a movie for money, and we wouldn't just put a, a movie out just to put a movie out. And I read this uh, article the other day because I actually read this, the stuff people say. I and, do not. And there was one person, you know, they said they won't do a movie for money. Well, what are they making movies for? They're not making, they're, they're making mo money making movies. It's like, well, yeah, that's our fucking job. You know, when we do it, it's like, yeah, in between, make commercial. But we're not going to go and just make a movie just to make money, basically. So we had the option of doing commercials. And that subsidized everything for a while, and, um, and some TV as well. And, and the point, and the point is, it really it oh, taught us. No, actually, okay. I had a point. No. Oh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just saying the point is, in in, in all that with the, with the advertising, it did teach us to to book it up, literally, and to go go and run up in there and take it yeah, from them. You know? Yeah, but that. But the real point to me was, no matter how many commercials we do, nothing can replace the feeling of a film. You know, because as, as much as the studio messes with you. Nobody messes with you more than a corporate commercial, you know. Um, and that kind of, that years of doing that beat me down, and I said, I'll never do one of these again, you know. Yeah. I got I got to stick to films, because at least nobody's telling you when you can move on to the next shot. On a commercial, you cannot move on until that, that agency or that corporate. Approves the shot. Approves the shot. And I'm like, I'm like what, kind of, what kind of shit is this? Like, it's, called, it's called a commercial. <laughs> Advertising. But why would they hire you guys if they didn't want your point of view in the commercial? That seems like they a pretty do. obvious well, question. We're, we're different personalities. Albert is a little more purist when it comes to his, his personality and what, 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 it, what it is that, that, that... For me, I look at commercial. I'm not, I, he retired. I haven't retired. Because if, if Apple, Apple says, we want you to shoot that Apple white like that, I go, tell me exactly how you want a shot. And I'm going to put my spin on it. But tell me absolutely what you want. Because I don't want to hear no more once I start shooting it. You want the you want the white apple? All right. Well, I might move the white apple over here, but he doesn't want to deal with all the give and go with that. You know, that's his personality. There's a reason, and, and they pay really well. You know, they really, pay really well. well, and there's a reason why prostitutes get paid good money because they're the ones that have to deal with the emotional luggage of the way they got fucked and what Orpheus. You know, <laughs> you know, they have to deal with that emotional luggage. You think what Orpheus? Okay, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what, how about a movie question before you get too much into prostitution? <laughs> I'll smooth it out over here. Bring it, lap the ball over here. No, 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 no. Now, what's oh, wait, your take on prostitution? Is there kids here? Yeah, you interviewed wait. us about that already. Wait, wait. Are there kids here, though? We should, we should get that up. Okay. Right. Yeah, they, when they heard prostitution, they came running back this way, actually. There's like a you know, call out to them. Well, one of the things I said to you guys before we sat down, and it occurred to me, is that, as well, you were saying, this was not your intention. You made genre films. You've made your Vietnam film, your gothic horror film. This is now your sort of spaghetti western. The hood film. Your, well, you kind of started with the hood film, but each film you've made has been a genre film, and that wasn't your intention. No, I think that, that troubles us sometimes when somebody says, oh, they did, and from hell it started really. It's like, they did this genre of film. And then when we were doing this film, I remember somebody at Warner Brothers was like, we got to define what genre this is. And we're like, 
Well, we never look at it like that. There's a million cop movies coming out every year. You know, is anybody saying that's a genre? I, I don't understand. But, but, genre. but that is a genre. Yeah, but I just don't understand it. It's like we look at the script and we go, okay, that's that's the script. And then and then uh, other people start to define it as a genre. And then we go, oh, it's a genre. You know, so well, I, I, I'm, I'm at a loss almost for the really the, because the, I can't. You can't help but think spaghetti western when one of the characters starts whistling cockeyes theme from Once Upon a Time in America. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it, that and it's it's ironic because that whistle is from the modern movie that Sergio Leone made about Jewish gangsters in in um, Brooklyn over there. It wasn't a western, but it is all Ennio Marconi and Sergio Leone. They're known for the spaghetti westerns, but that's that's what worked for our film is that there's all the what we do. I think when we're at our best with a good script, a great script. This one was is it it adhered to the rules of its genre. And that's why they said that. And what we do best when we're at our best, and I think from here on out we, we will try to be at our best, is just paint in a classic brush strokes and respect our forefathers and mothers that came before us in film and try to take the analog way of doing things and combine it with the digital and, and be respectful of, of the art form of, of cinema. You know, uh, not popcorn. And I like popcorn movies, you know, when I want to escape. But as, as, as filmmakers, cinema is, is you have to respect the, the cinema and what it entails sound-wise, frames, colors. When an actor's really thrown down and he's she or he is on, when you're moving in, don't cut away. Let them ride out like Miles Davis is doing a riff. You're not going you know, to cut his All receiver right, you know, off. So. To add to that, I think that as we got older, we started learning how to be, excuse the word, but more conservative and more efficient. You know, how uh, do you mean conservative? Meaning that you don't need to cut ten times for that that guy shooting or that guy running or that guy acting. You know, let it play out in one shot and you know let the audience feel feel the emotion of it. Because there's a lot of guys out now nowadays in a lot of big movies and small movies that are just too busy trying to cut 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 everything so everybody can feel like there's something really going on. Or there's nothing really going on. Even the Bourne Ultimatum movies, as great as they are, they're just camera. Shit. I can't see shit they're, when they're, they're fighting. They're just. They're just <laughs> I don't no, see anything. No. They're just camera shaking for no reason. And I remember at one point I go, I, I love this movie, but there was a car flip, right? The car flip, the camera shaking, the car comes to a settle. It's settled. And the camera's just shaking for no reason. And I go, okay, you know, enough of this already. You know, this, this movie's good. Why, why all the extra stuff to make the audience feel something they shouldn't feel? So just stay back. Don't cut too much when it's not needed. And get into cutting when you need it. And then also the other thing we started learning late was don't overuse slow motion for action. Or don't use it at all. We use it. As, that's that's it's very thing. sparing in this movie. Not for not for. We didn't use it for any of the the the, the violence. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. because we we learned that the audience feels it more when you don't do that. They may think it's cool, you know, like a Michael Bay movie. Oh, that looks cool, and it's it's visually kind of pleasing me right now. That's no, Michael I mean, Bay laughing out there. I think. But but it's not gonna it's not gonna hit you. It's not gonna hit you viscerally. Yeah, yeah, it's not gonna. Well, hit there's you a fear in the, there's a fear in the business that all these people out here on these computers and. Everybody's so, so they, they make movies like that. They go, and, and you sit there, it's like a boxer who comes out and throws a bunch of combinations for the first two rounds. The third round, you're like, fuck it, it's over. That's you know, all you got? But it's funny that you say that, and those movies now feel old fashioned. They feel like early 90s movies. And saying that, whenever you see somebody standing in front of like a big like fan, you feel like you're seeing a flash dance kind of thing. Yeah. That too much cutting stuff seems like. Old fashioned to me now, you know. It seems yeah, like it's it, it, out. yeah, it seems hey, like well, it, it's, it's very uh, 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 decade specific, yes. It's like uh, cross colors <laughs> in the early 90s. You go, I remember them colors was hot, and now crackheads are wearing it, <laughs> yeah. now crackheads wear them. 
Now, crackheads cut films fast. Yeah. Well, also, <laughs> what, what, what made film move faster is the digital editing now, you know? With the Avid and Final Cut Pro, um, I remember when we, we, we were of that generation where it was changing and the Men of Society was cut on a flatbed. And we would take naps in between edits. Now, for an, editor, for an editor to make 10 cuts of a guy shooting a gun would take an hour, two hours, three hours, basically. Now I can do that in two minutes on an Avid, basically. So you, and you're watching on these small screens, and so that's made everything move, move faster, too. The obvious question for people is going to be here, how do you guys direct? Because it's kind of hard for you to have a conversation. So, yeah, when you're talking to, when, for example, from this scene, what do you say in the scene? And then what do you say? I stay out of the way when he talks to the actors, and I set up the camera. And then he goes and does his thing. Like, I didn't, I didn't even realize he told Tom Ways to do that. And in, in fact, I remember once on From Hell, we had an old English actor who was a great actor from the Great Poupon commercials. And um, <clears throat> here's where the, the problem Ian Richardson. Sir Ian Richardson. Here's where the problems begin with us, really, is that me and my cameraman were sitting back watching the scene. Uh, Johnny Depp, he, he had told Johnny Depp something we didn't know, and Johnny Depp just changed his, his performance, was just throwing everything at this guy off camera. Just, this old guy was just throwing all kinds of shit at him. Right, call cut, and the old guy was like, "He's completely changed his entire performance." No, he yell cut. Yeah, yeah he, he, he yell cut. cut. That which is Ian he, Richardson yell cut. Yeah, yeah, the 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 actor yell cut, which never, never is the biggest faux pas. Oh, he yell cut, and Johnny went what, and I went what, and he stormed up the set. He goes, "He's in change. He's changed his entire performance." But me and my cameraman are sitting there like, "What the fuck was? I mean, what the hell was that?" Like. Alan, you have to tell us if the actor's gonna do something different so we can adjust the camera and get ready for it. He was like, oh, you know, so, <laughs> so for something, you know, you, you learn a lesson too, like unless you say it's basic, like let, the, let them go at it and Denzel's pretty much, he, he, he told us to use two cameras in opposing, you know, angles and cinematographers don't like doing it. I generally don't like doing it, but it works for Denzel. It really does work for him. I love doing it. Well, because what it does is you have to shoot for performance rather than for camera work. Exactly. You have to pay attention to the actors. And, and you compromise one of the cameras always. But you know what? It, 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 the performance, the bottom line, is, is, is the heart of the movie. And, and, and once you start to throw in combinations, which is what my brother does best, you know, when you go to George and Martha's, you, if you see the movie, when you do things that even uh, um, um, in the bar, the fight in the bar, yeah, it, when, when, when things are more story-driven without, without words, too, and, and without, because um, I like to work with actors and really, once we know what the scene's about, if I'm coming in, I need to take your, your coat from you and, you know, shake you down, take your money away and tell you to get the hell, hell out of here. That's the gist of it. We got one minute to do it. Let's figure out new and interesting ways every time we do it to do it. Um, for him, he's going to go, well, how are you going to do it? Because <laughs> I got I to gotta shoot, I got to capture this, you know. Um, but it, there's a handoff with me and with him and I also is that when we try, we fight a lot. But when it's a scene like this, just let's just do it like this. And when it's time to, to do it the other way, let's do it like that. Well, yeah. it's always, you know, the which came first, the chicken or egg, or cart before the horse kind of thing. Like, I have an idea of the way it should look and what shot should be. He's more, let me see what the actors do, or he may have an idea what the actors do. But we may have never even talked about my angles or what he's doing with his actors. And we show up, and I'm ready to do my angle, and he's ready to do something with his actors. And then there's that kind of stalemate that goes on at first, and one of us has to step step aside, and, well, and given, that's what it is. I'm sorry, but given that sort of miscommunication you were talking about on From Hell, what was it like? How long did it take you guys to find a rhythm on this movie, given how long it had been since you made a movie together? I don't know if we ever found a rhythm. Yeah, there, <laughs> I, this movie, this movie, uh, uh, we said it before. It was like we didn't fight a lot, 
on this movie, we usually fight a lot in person, right. but we were at war the whole time. And uh, we, between action and cut, and there was some really tense moments with me and him, but I always remember if we yelled action, like 30 seconds leading up to action, in between and then cut, I look over, it was always very comforting looking over. It was always very natural. It was always very loving. But after cut, <laughs> back at it. <laughs> no, it's normally it's like, it's like, it's, because we're twins, and that's yeah, the, the complicated thing. Is like, it's like it's, it's, yeah. it's twin thing, you know. It's like when people see us fighting, we may not be, have nothing to do with the movie, the fight. It may have something to do with something that happened when we were two years old mm -hmm. that we don't even know. You know, <laughs> we're just fighting over some bullshit, you know. Yeah. And uh, but once we get in there and we're shoulder to shoulder, it just na it's a natural thing, you know. And then we're the ones that are fighting to go like we're fighting each other to go like this, mm -hmm. and that's what it is. But not only that, but it, it, it points out something very important in the movie, which is that. Most of the fight scenes, except for one climactic one, take place in darkness for a very specific reason. Yeah. And I, we can't give away why that, why that happens. Yeah. But it's, it's in that scene, that's when, it re that's when it hit me. Oh, now I know, because you didn't tell me. Yeah. But now I know why this is. Mm -hmm. And there's like a, even a hint in that scene with Tom Waits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. But you kind of go, oh, now I get this. And I wonder when you blessed, guys. He's a blessed individual. He's blessed, man. But when do you figure out that, that, that point of just making so much of it? Take place, especially the action, take place in darkness. Well, there was—I mean, there, there's that? a beautiful one. In, it's in the silhouette, and the real, really, what the reason was is we want we, every movie we've done that the, in, in PAA, we always get an NC-17 first. So we had to devise a, a technique, and we said let's just back them into the shadows so we can get away with murder, literally. <laughs> 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 and that's where it came from. Well, and also, yeah. the, there's the point with Denzel. He's more an off-the-cuff guy. If you set up a camera, he's not going to go where you want him right away. He, he wants to come and feel the place and f find his spot, and he's a contrarian like us, basically. So I knew that day would have problems getting him into the shadow because he has to, as an actor, feel why, why am I going back into the shadow? And, and the sun kept on moving back. But once we did that, there was a one shot where he says his line, and he, he dropped right back into the shadow, and he knew what was going on. When he knows a shot is going to be something, He's gonna cooperate fully. <laughs> if you don't explain it to him or he doesn't feel it, it's more just not into going the down. Yeah, it's not going but down. But I think is that moment you, you kind of—that's when it sort of clicks yeah. because it's not really spelled out why this mm -hmm. stuff happens. Mm -hmm. But that—that that as a, just as a directing decision was a really fascinating one because you could have cheated in lots of ways. But that's the one that sees—I hate to use the word organic—but it makes sense in terms mm -hmm. of the context where there really isn't a whole lot of light anyway. No, yeah. there's no. It's all—it's all back to you know 18 something. You know, it's all candlelight. You know. And you say, you say Western, but that bar looks like, you know, any yeah. gunfight scene from a Western. And it's, right? a, it's a really uh, inverted uh, uh, movie house. Yeah, it, it, was a, it was a throwback to the Sergio Leone stuff. And I remember even on this, this movie, I, I look at frames from Sergio and I go, he has these great, like, raking shots. You know, a face right here and then, you know, three or four guys down there. And I was trying to emulate it through the whole movie. And we finally got to this bar scene. I go, why can I lick this? Why can I not lick it? I can't get it right. I can't get it right. And one of the extras stepped forward into a close-up and had a cowboy hat and I go, oh, it's the fucking cowboy hat. I'm missing the cowboy hat. <laughs> Which I hated. <laughs> you hated it? Why'd you hate <laughs> No, I mean, because I, I, once the guy stepped in the frame, I go, oh, that's, that's what it, it is. is. That's, that's, what the feel, that's what fills the frame, basically, right? Yeah. And, and then uh, in, in researching the movie, you know, the stuff for the movie was finding Zadoichi, the blind oh, swordsman. No, that, see, I'm, and I'm, I'm convinced now that Sergio Leone was influenced more by him than by Kurosawa. You think so? If you look at the early movies of Zadoichi, there's, well, there's some real actually, things. For actually, uh, a few dollars more than Fiscal Dots is cut like a Zadoichi movie. Yeah. But that's, 
I don't, you never know how much that's him versus you know the other people working on the film. But that one really feels like. But it even to me. visually, he's tipping his hat to him because you have the Yo Jimbo thing. Which year did Yo Jimbo come out? Uh, Fifty-four. Oh, so it does predate. Uh, you start talking okay. dates, people start walking out. You know what I'm saying? And we should probably go to audience questions now, right? Yeah, okay. we're gonna come around with Mike. If you have a question, just wait for the mic. Just wait for Oprah to show up there with the mic and. We got cars. Everybody gets a car. (laughs) We have a question here in the second row. You get a car. (laughs) Hi, um, my name is Ishmael. I'm an um, upcoming filmmaker, study film at Fossil University. Um, I just want to know, like, um, how challenging was working uh, with Denzel? Like, everybody knows Denzel is a great actor. Like, is it a challenge between you and Denzel and stuff like that? Is it challenging, you said? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, there's... There's two ways to look at working with Denzel or someone like Denzel, and there is no one like Denzel, to tell you the truth. Um, uh, on the other side of the fence, there's rumors in the business that go, I hear he's difficult, I hear he's difficult, I hear he's difficult. I hear... And I go, um, through working with him, I found the word is what you said, it's challenging, because he's, he's extremely intelligent in the most comprehensive ways that above and beyond acting. And if, if you're not on your toes, he likes to debate, too. He likes to debate him and Albert. Love the debate. <laughs> and go back and forth. They got more uh, they got more similar personalities when it comes to bulldogness. Um, so I, I always I always liked the challenge because it, 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 it made me step my game up and figure out ways to because he is like Albert described, and I describe him as like Miles Davis. He likes to riff and he likes to feel things. And so when you try to confine him too much, it could become a problem. Yeah, you don't, so you, you have can't to be creative. Him, you have to be very creative. Like the, the question was how do you guys direct Denzel? Or how do you direct Denzel? It's like you don't direct Denzel. You don't tell him anything. You don't tell him anything. You confer. You, you confer. You, you talk. You, con, you consult. And because one day I you showed admit. Uh, one one there was two weeks I was showing up and he would he was just messing my camera angles up. You know, like just like tell him that story about that, how you want yeah, that yeah, story about the, that. No, he was like showing up and I was just pissed and I would be in a corner I would just stew. You know, and I'm like I'm not gonna get in a fight with him. You know, there's no, no no why argue about it basically. You know, about the third weekend he goes, Hey Albert, where you want me to stand? I said, well, what does it matter where I want you to stand? I go, if, if I tell you here, you're going to go there. He goes, well, say there, and I'll go here. I, I said, oh, so you want reverse psychology, you know? He goes, no, just tell me where you want me. I go, well, Denzel, you can stand here, okay? That's where I want you. But if you want to stand there, it's okay. He goes, oh, okay, I'll stand right here. But Albert, he got, Albert go like this. When it first started, because he didn't set up the first part, before they got to that part, he go, all right, here's the deal. I want you to sit right here, D. He's like, right here, the camera's gonna be right here. And D goes, you want me to sit right here? Right here? And I'll put you right there. He's like, okay. I'll be right here. Yeah. How's that work for your camera? How's that work for your camera? <laughs> <laughs> it was entertaining. No, but sometimes he just, he just, it's like the same thing with Gary. Sometimes they don't even verbalize it. Like Gary, like, remember he was frustrated one day. He was like, there's just something, it's just, and they're very articulate guys. And I remember I met with De Niro once about a project, and he was the same way, very articulate guy. But they're just something that they, they were like, it's just something, they'd start doing this thing with their hands, and, 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 and what's, Denzel would just sometimes, they'd just be like, just, they're just trying to feel it, basically. And they can't, they can't describe what it is, that it's just not right for them, basically. And they, they can't uh, articulate it's called, it. It's called real actors. Yeah. Genuine actors, something that's in a short supply. We have very limited supply. Of. But once they find it, yeah. you know, they know they get in a groove. Because yeah. I remember Gary's, remember Gary's biggest problem was I can't justify sending this girl in to have the prostitute herself out for, for this guy. 
and he was going for days. Like it's, it's, he was just tortured by it. As a character, how can I justify this? And he finally got over it and did the scene. But We have a question here in the third row. Hi, uh, my name is Frederick. You got a lot of literature over there. I'm sorry. Frederick, yeah, you got a lot yeah, of literature yeah. over there, Trying man. to stay smart, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess for people who are kind of like uh, aspiring filmmakers who are on the outside looking in, um, can you give us like some insight on like the actual uh, green lighting uh, process? Of a film, is it the same for every film? Or no, this is film? a very interesting, different case. Tell them about how this sort of happened. In fact, this is an independent film released yeah. through. Yeah, studio. I mean, you know, we 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 signed once we did that book thing. We talked about doing that book. It came out to trades next uh, week. They're going to make this movie. Warner Bros. like we're making this movie. We're making this movie, and cut to a year and a half later, we still weren't making the movie. And they told us we had a green light, and they kept you know and, and, and like that. It wasn't until Alcon Entertainment came along. Um, the company that brought uh, you Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants and, and My Dog Skip and, and more recently uh, Blindside, um, who's finan they're fully financed by um, Federal Express, Fred Smith. Um, they came along, and by that time, our script had been so watered down, all the spirituality had been taken out of it and it had been knocked about in the studio system. So they came in with independent money but gave it the amount of money that a studio would give it, and they said, put it all back together again. Let's go. They, the offer is already out to Denzel. They closed that deal. They said, restore all the best stuff in it. And then we started making the movie. But that, that was Eli. I think every green light is different. You know? Well, I mean, with our movie before that, From Hell, was like at a, one studio first, and then went to another studio. And that studio said, okay, you do these notes, and we'll green light your movie. We did those notes. Then they said, okay, well, there's these notes we want now. Then we did those notes. And they said, okay, we'll green light it if you give us two more of these notes. And we did two more of those notes. And they said, okay, we have a few more notes. And we're like, well, how long are you going to have a chase in our tail? You keep on saying you're going to green light the movie. And then at one point it was like, okay, 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 we'll green light the movie if you get a girl in that part that can be in magazine covers. The kind of girl that's on magazine covers. And we'll green light you. So you're saying, we go get some glamour girl and you'll green light our movie. I'm like, yeah, okay, so we bent over and took that one. Oh, yeah, we have a question towards the back. Hey guys, um, did you, uh, for your visual look and color palette, did you take influence from any other fiction formats like uh, games, graphic novels, such as like Fallout or anything, or did you just kind of come up with this as you went? No, I mean, the, the biggest kind of insult I've, I've, I've come across lately is that this game Fallout 3, which I've never seen, never played, I haven't even seen a poster for it. It's the big thing on YouTube, it's like, oh, they're, they're taking it from the. They're taking it from Fallout 3. They're taking it from Fallout 3. And uh, I didn't realize until one person posted something that was probably older, probably, you know, my age or older, said, listen, you kids, there, there was this genre was out well before you were born and well before that game. You don't remember a Boysen's Dog and all these other movies, Omega Man, you know, Mad Max, all this other stuff. And the influence came more from a combination of things. You know, like, of course, the Zadawichi films, the Spaghetti Westerns, Seven, of, old 70s but, print. But a lot of photographs in that book. Oh, oh yeah. A lot of photographs. I'm into photography. So is he. And even silly things. Like we say, we can get the greatest inspiration from a Tampax commercial. You know, like, oh, look at the way that tree was lit when she was running through the field. Mm -hmm. You know, let's, let's take a screen grab of that. Basically, it's, it's less about movies and more about everything. Everything now, you know. But, I mean, really, it really is very image-specific. But the reason I say Spaghetti Western, because there's a thing in those movies where 
space is really important. I mean, because all the old American Western movies were really cramped and tiny, and even in like a tiny general store in the Leone movie, it seemed to be like the size of a of a barn, yeah. like you know, of yeah. a railroad car. We're making use of that format. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the wide screen. That's one of the things that, even though the camera doesn't move a lot, that you basically. Even indoors, everything is wide open and, and a lot of space, mm -hmm. and that's why I said uh, spaghetti western for that. Oh, for sure, that's already in us. That you can't, we can't help that. What I didn't realize to the premiere, which was the night before last, yeah. Monday, <laughs> Monday um, I was because we saw it in a big screen in Man Chinese. That's the greatest theater in the world, and I was like, wow, this really is like, you know, it's 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 big, desolate landscapes. They don't make movies even like that anymore, you know, and. Um, I just, I don't, it, it, you get older, you start appreciating things. I just appreciated seeing an old school movie where it, I don't think it's going to play as well at home. I mean, I don't, I don't, not that you want to appreciate, not that you want to appreciate it, oh. but, um, but the, the, it, it reminded me that night that what cinema is about, you know, you have this one school of thought that's like, let's take it like to Avatar or people won't come to movies. It's like, no, you, you could do that and you should do that. That's a special but ultimately, event, yeah. it's a special event, you know, one off every year. We should have that. But ultimately, if you shoot things right, you do the sound design right, still the best place to view a movie is in the cinema. Well, you know. one of the things, too, is that the way it's shot, even those interiors, it's going to be really hard to read on television. Yes, yeah. that's it. Yeah. I mean, because even now on, on high def, the dark, it, really dark spaces still don't register in the same way they do when you have a lot of light source pouring yeah. in from a projector. Yeah, or a digital projector now. Ugh. Is this going to, how, how many digital prints is this going to? 500. And how many? We got 500? We have 500 digital prints. But I, I, I was given the choice on the premiere of doing a print or, or digital. And, and the, the irony of the whole process for us is that we were so such purists we'd never go digital and we shot the movie digital okay and then and then i with the red camera and then i, I did everything to emulate an old film look which is gr add grain into it desaturate all this stuff and then it gets to the point where they want to know what you want for the premiere do you want a print or do you want the the digital projection and i said no the the movie's supposed to be a it's supposed to look and feel like a pro projected film and all the way up in the last minute, somebody was trying to push me to project digitally for the, the premiere. I'm like, no, it won't look like celluloid going through a projector, basically. And so that we're still in, in between both worlds, us, like struggling with that. But I don't, I don't know if I ever go back to shooting, shooting film. I think he will. Oh, I'm definitely shooting film. Why? Uh, that'll be the last question. Why that for you, then? Because I'm an analog nigga. He was the one that suggested, he was the one yeah. that suggested to me. Here's, here's yeah. how... Here's how messed up this relationship is, though. He no, was the one. Let the head cut soak in for a little bit, Albert. Yeah. Let that soak in for a little bit. He's the one that suggested to me shooting digital. And you hear what he just said right there. Yeah. So it sounds like you're as much a contrarian as he and Denzel are, basically. Yeah, oh, be, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a distant More. third to them two. More. I think, I think Denzel and him, yeah, there's they're some contrarians, really. I'm not, I'm not in their oh, league. Oh, I got to tell you, the last thing, the conversation me and his kid had downstairs with him about the iPod touch. Who, my kid? Yeah, yeah we're over there, we're saying. Yeah, the iPod. My touch. son over there, the, uh, yeah. the one that looks like Emmanuel okay. Lewis, or okay. the one that looks like. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, the, I'm gonna say where contrarian is. Like the iPod Touch, he's like, I got that click wheel. The click wheel, I don't like that shit. And we're like, no, but it's better. The click wheel is actually better. You the touch. Me? The, the touch thing. Sometimes you accidentally hit it. it goes, no, 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 because I get exactly what I want. It goes right into it. I get, I get exactly what I want. I go, no, Alan. Sometimes it's it goes, no, I get exactly what I want. I go, Alan, I actually have it. He goes, no, 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 that one's better. I go, but you don't have it. He's like, no one, but that one's better. Yeah, I'll okay. tell you why it's better. We'll, we'll finish this with an argument. The, the iTouch, not the phone, because I'll never do the iPhone. I'm Blackberry. 
man, myself, because it's tactile. I could touch this analog stuff going down there, right? No, we won't give you an iPhone okay. after all this. Don't give it. me an iPhone. Don't. The I touch uh, iPod, you go, you see the alphabet, and you go, shit, James Brown. B. You're right there on it. Actually, it's okay. not that easy. That's and if you don't go B, you just go. It goes to C or goes to D. It goes right? to C or D. But yeah. the other one, you, if, you're, if you're, you're, your thing's a little oily and the thing's... And you have to get it going real fast to get the letters that's going. That's analog. And, uh, See, that's analog. Uh, but he don't want analog now. He wants digital now. <laughs> you got to adjust the format, man. And on that lovely note, let's thank the Hughes bows going out. No. Uh, if we have time for one more well, Of course we have one more. No, no, one, one more second. question, no, no, I guess. Uh, Where's the iCast? There's a podcast? Is there a podcast? What, this, it's a recording or is it a visual? Where's the camera at? Right here. Oh, is it, is it moving image? Oh, you, oh, you just do stills while you hear the voice. Oh, you guys, are, it's like motion graphic novel. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, motion graphic Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, my name is Michael Chair, and I'm an actor. And what I would like to know, um, my first question is, what inspired you guys as kids? Who inspired you to become a filmmaker? And the second part of the question is, um, where do you see yourself from now after this movie? Are you planning on doing anything big? You want to, which What's one? the next I'll take project? the first one. I think that the inspiration when we were kids was more just behind the scenes. It was Superman, behind the scenes of Superman, and behind the scenes of uh, Star Wars and Raiders of Lost Ark. And we were always fascinated with just Okay. Even back in the so, green screen and all the production, and, and when we drive by movie sets, and you'd see you'd see the trucks outside, and to this day we still get excited. But we were more fascinated by the making, and why why are they clapping that thing? Why they take one, take two, and when we get our video camera, we do take one, take two, take twelve, and we didn't know why we were doing it. And, we and, were, and then, but so it was more a fascination of the making of films than it was, or the inspiration came from the making of films. But and I think before we came to California and that started with Superman, we we're from Detroit, and Detroit is a town where you're surrounded by the most colorful characters and storytellers on the planet. And I think we we were steeped in st storytelling, whether we knew it or not. There was always a wine or. Dope at some point, in every one of your movies, even yeah. if you, whether you wrote it or not, somebody tells a story yeah. in the movie. It's kind of <laughs> fascinating. Somebody who serves as kind of a griot or an old school storyteller in every one of your movies. I never knew that before, but I know I have an, uh, an absolute fascination with storytellers. You know, and my brother, he, he has this perception of me that I like to be the the guy that holds court and talks a lot. Which is true. But I no, I'd rather be on the ground laughing at, at somebody telling a great story and be the recipient. Than but be there's the not one, that many be the one there. telling. There's, it's a dying art form. If you notice, I don't want to get too far off the subject. We'll wrap it up. But no, no, you, no I've been at a few dinner tables re recently, and I've noticed that the art of sh the short story is gone. Like even older people, because of Blackberry and texting, no one can even get a first act of a three-minute story out. You start going, wait, I was at the spot the other day. Go, let me tell you some monkey business that happened over here. Like, no, no, <laughs> but when you <laughs> and you're like, God damn, can I get a flow going? Yeah, there's no flow. There's no one that's just getting broken up with your 50, it's 60, a, it's a, it's 30, a, the 20. Bay, you know. Yeah, every, I, I, I just want to point this out, though, because I noticed this at three, four, five different dinner tables in the last month with everybody, not just the young generation. It has to do with that texting. It has to do with that texting and the tweeting and the, oh, let me tweet what I'm doing right now. Why don't you experience what the fuck you're doing right now? And put that thing down, you know, and then tweet a week later, tweet maybe. When, tweet when you're on the toilet. Yeah, tweet when you're on the toilet. <laughs> Let's just end it with that. All right, no, what was, no, what was <laughs> the, the second, second part? The second, the second uh, part is where, where are you see? now? Oh, the, the, 
Let me, let me take that one. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, you took part of mine. Now you want to take it I'll hand it back. <laughs> no, go ahead. I, that's, that's, I, I see ourselves, and it, 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 it's becoming more, more clear um, as we go. It's interesting. What are you laughing at, Elvis? <laughs> <laughs> you laughing at us. Go ahead. I, I, I can't, not to drop names, but I, I read a, a, an opinion or op-ed on Huffington Post about us in this film recently. And uh, it was interesting. A woman really delved into her perception of the film, and it was positive. And she ended it with, you know, we're, we're, you know, you, these guys have been missing, you know, and welcome back, guys. And it was a very warm embrace. And and I was like, and I just thought to myself, like, you know, we want to work. We and we need more people. Just like I'm saying about the dying art form of people even talking a, a story at a table is more people need to demand that. That people that they like be working more. They need to. There needs to be a desire for that because it wasn't us just not wanting to work. It's the suits thinking that everyone out here and other people don't want to see us working as well, and a little bit of us being retarded. Don't get me wrong, right? Um, so I think it, 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 where, where we see ourselves in the future is when a script speaks to us. It's probably about once or twice a year. We just want to make the goddamn movie. You know, we want to make the movie. And we don't have to, you have to deal with a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with making a movie. That, yeah. That's the truth. That's the hardest part of making a movie. You're dealing with a bunch of people who don't know really how to make movies, don't never have never made a movie, and they're telling you how to make your movie. You know, that's the hardest part. And don't put that in the streets. Make sure there's no cars in this scene. Oh, it looks like a Western. It's like, well, there's a car in this scene. What do you mean it looks like a Western? <laughs> like, well, we don't want a genre Western film where they're shooting, like, modern-day guns, and, you know, there's actually, like, buildings and structures that... No, 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 no you, no, you got to take that out and put this in. And, okay, whatever. Well, you just explained why the iPod's in the movie. Anyway, and now we're out of time. Let's thank the Hughes brothers, ladies and gentlemen. Let's thank Elvis. Thank you, Elvis. The Book of Eli in theaters this Friday, January 15th. Uh, do check it out. We want to thank you. You've been a wonderful audience. Uh, stick around for our next Meet the Filmmaker event with Lee Daniels. Thank you. <laughs>